Hello and welcome to Learning from Leaders. Each episode, we interview a new leader for a behind-the-scenes look at what makes them tick. In each interview, we aim to understand the routines, habits, and even the failures that got them into the position they're in today. So wherever you are in your leadership journey, we hope you enjoy. Without further ado, this is Learning from Leaders. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Learning from Leaders. Today, I am lucky enough to be with the CEO of Brown Foreman, Paul Varga. Um, he was kind enough to grant me a little bit of his time today. So, welcome, Paul. Thanks for being here. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, so, you know, I've done a bit of research on my own, but, you know, some of the questions I'll ask will just be for the folks listening in case maybe sure. they're not caught up to speed. So, um, can you talk me through just how long you've been in a leadership role? And you can define that however you want. That could be just with Brown Foreman. That can be anywhere, however you want to define that. Well, I mean, that's a great question. I think, uh, I, I certainly, growing up uh, as a child, was a middle child, so I wouldn't have defined that as a leadership okay. role. Okay. Uh, and uh, but I, I probably my earliest memory of being in any kind of leadership role would have been uh, I was an athlete, played a lot of tennis growing yeah. up, and uh, at various times was you know sort of captain of a tennis team. I, I played it, ended up playing um, uh, in the early '80s at the University of Kentucky. So cool. uh, during that stint, there was a couple of years, and I, I remember in tennis, of course, it was really interesting. Tennis such an individual sport. Uh, and that is really a unique experience for it to be a team sport for mm -hmm. you for such a you know uh, you know concentrated amount of time in your in your life and so I had the opportunity to probably practice or at least learn I'd say some leadership skills and capabilities during that phase. Okay. Okay. Um, okay, and then this is a question I always think is interesting because everybody has kind of their own unique rhythm and their unique way of getting into the day. How do you start your day? What's your routine look like? What you know, and get as in the weeds as you're comfortable getting. So, well, I'm a. Uh, it's it's I, I get up early because I, I'm a pretty deep but short sleeper. Okay, so I can okay. get into REM sleep pretty easy. Okay, and uh, but I'm I'm usually up. Uh, Unfortunately for me, most mornings by about 4.30 or so. And it's just my mind wakes up. Even if I don't get out of bed at that time, I, my mind starts to work. And it's actually, I'm, I, I, I have come to appreciate that uh, from sort of 5 to 7 in the morning is probably my most creative time. I've got a rested brain. Uh, I like to think creatively. I like to write. Uh, but I, I would say I do heavy amounts of reading, writing, and prep for the day between usually 5 and 7. Um, and usually toward the tail part of that, but depending upon the time of the year, we'll try to get some exercise in too before the, the full day starts. Sure, sure. I'm just curious, what do you as what do you like to read and write? What are you getting into at that time? Oh, well, um, the on the reading side, a whole bunch of it oftentimes will be stuff that related to the work at Brown Foreman, you know, preparatory documents, depending on what you're you know working on over the course of that week. But I'm also very interested in everything ranging from... Um, you know, human psychology to, uh, you know, various books that I, I think can be useful. There's a, just a basic principle I have that uh, is that my, you know, in order to continue to be the CEO of Brown Foreman, if I want the company to grow 10%, that I need to grow 10% every okay. year. And one of the ways that I think that I try to do that uh, is by you know, self-education. So whether it's on any variety of topics, but I, a lot of them relate to uh, business, but I, I actually personally favor 
these days, those that deal more with human behavior more so than uh, you know, you know, strategy or something like that. I mean, although I've, I've read a bunch of those types of books over the years as well, but I really enjoy thinking about uh, the impact I can, you know, have as a, just an individual on uh, on my family, my life, uh, on Brown Foreman, of course. And so, the best way to do that is to try to continue to advance my own self awareness and reflection. And so, I find myself reading types of things, whether it's sometimes just articles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sometimes it's not reading; it can be watching, you know, sort of a, I don't know, a TED talk or something like that. Sure, sure. Okay, great, great. Okay, so then, and I know if I if I expanded on this, you could give me all kinds of stuff, but I want you to kind of focus on the past five years yeah. and think about if there are beliefs, behaviors, habits um, that you've adopted over those those past five years that you feel like have impacted you um, the most in in the most positive ways. Well, in the most positive way, I think. Um, I am at now, you know, roughly 15 years in this set of CEO responsibilities, and I'm definitely at a different type of CEO, I think, today, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm at actually a different stage in my life. I mean, I think I'm about to turn 55 in the fall, and I think uh, if you, what occupies my time and some of my self-reflection today is, you know, the, the context with which I'm operating. So. Um, you know, 15 years ago, I had you know infants, and now I've got teenage kids. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking and reading about things like teenage kids. You sure. Know? Uh, but I'm also uh, I, I'm just so much more conscious of what I call thinking about my thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really am reflecting on what you know. Do I do I have the right mindset today to tackle this or to work on this? Uh, I. Um, have worked really hard over the years. I mean, if I think about how I was as a 20-year-old versus how I am now, I mean, all of it with the spirit of continuous improvement, but also trying to not be, you know, trying to be authentic to who I am. Yeah. Uh, but but the, it always starts with me with the idea of owning my own thinking. And mm-hmm. I mean, I think it almost everything starts with that. And can mm-hmm. I get myself in the right mindset? And so. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been critical to, I think, any kind of personal growth or maturation. Some of it happens naturally because you just get older and hopefully a little wiser and more experienced. But I do think you have to work on it. I don't think that uh, Mother Nature and Father Time give it to you easily. So uh, my view is that uh, uh, you have to work at it. And so some of the behavior, like this whole concept of not letting myself stop growing. I mean, I just really think that is, and it'd be easy when you've you know run a company for a long time, I mean I've already announced my retirement at the end of this year, uh, to say oh I'm going to go coast and all this. I mean, but I, I and there's there's always times for you know uh, celebration and having fun. Yeah. But I mean post Brown Foreman, I really intend very much to continue to grow as a person in a variety of ways. It may not be in the same ways that I've uh, attempted to advance myself here in terms of the impact I make. It might be in very different ways, but I think. Continuing to grow is important to just the impact you have and the quality of your own life. So yeah. I think I'm a big believer in that, and yeah. um, and I won't have near the you know I don't know, you know Wall Street pressure to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be uh, self-imposed. But I, I think having that kind of discipline is important, and um, and I think it, it starts with how you think about things. Mm. So if you find yourself in a moment where maybe. If you're not where you want to be, kind of thinking about what you're thinking, yeah. the way you're describing that, how do you find that you're able to kind of bring yourself to that place that you need to be? or what are Well, those? sometimes I, I, it's the other part I was referring to. I write it down. Okay. So I like to write uh, 
creatively, all kinds of different ways. And uh, but I, I start with a simple test. I found that I. It, I do it with myself. I've actually advised other people when I found them that it might be useful for them as well. But I mean, if you define leadership uh, as the quality and quantity of your influence on others, I mean, that's the way I do it. I mean, I just simply put, do I have a net constructive and positive influence on the people around me? I mean, that, that could be your kids, your wife, your community, or, you know, Brown Foreman, whatever it happens to be. And the way I test myself on that is it's some basic things about the way we can have an impact on people and it's through our thinking, our words, our actions, and our emotions. And so the way I devised something that I found was helpful for me was do I think for myself, do I say what I think, do I do what I say, and do I feel what I do? Hmm. And in doing all of that, can I be who I am? Do I get to, do I, does any of it feel forced or faked? And usually when I've messed up, when I've screwed something up, I didn't think thoroughly enough for myself, or I didn't own my own thinking, or I didn't say it well, hmm. or I didn't take the time to communicate it thoroughly or well or broadly enough. Oftentimes I'll do those parts well, and guess what? I turn around and say, you know, I didn't follow up. I didn't, hmm. I didn't my actions didn't match it. Um, or then it can be the test of it did all that, but nobody really felt anything. I didn't hmm. put that, what I call that willpower or energy or that force of nature sometimes that comes to enthuse people or make them feel excited about what you're trying to accomplish and all of it has to feel natural too so you can't can't BS people with it and uh, along the way I test myself to see where did it go and inevitably I'll go back to it and say boy this really really worked because I thought thoroughly about it doesn't mean I have to think by myself I can go test my thinking with others etc but uh, it was a test I, I had to figure out early because the, the job of these particular jobs as CEO, mm. I, I think almost anywhere where there's power, uh, they're pretty, they can be lonely jobs. Mm. So the, you know, there's a hierarchical structure that you know, the organization or whatever the entity is will, will isolate you. And so you started, I started to have to feel a way to pattern my thinking to make sure I could, when it went alone, I could think for myself and that I could devise my words and I could act where I need to, now you never do any of it in isolation. I mean, you absolutely have to bring people along or else there's no leadership impact. So uh, in any event, that was a technique and a, uh, something that I found was useful for me and uh, I suspect many people find their own uh, individual techniques. Yeah, I love that. I think that's so, that's, that's, that's profound, honestly. I mean, it, in its simplicity too, I mean, it's such an easy, quick little couple questions you can ask yourself that kind of write your course and well if you think about what we do as human beings when we walk around you know on this planet I mean you can think you know you can speak you can do and you can feel and so those questions go to the quality and quantity with which one does it and right. so it's a basic thing of what we try to do as human beings anyway and uh, and so when more often than I I think I was trying trying to do this and most of that more instinctively for a long time but unless you create some of those little techniques or uh, and that for me it was it became a filter and um, and so it was helpful for me and sometimes I, I found with a few people here at Brown Forum they found it helpful too that's so great I love that love that okay um, the next question that I usually like to ask folks and I ask it this way on purpose because I think sometimes if I say what's your favorite book that's a different answer right huh. but what is the book that you have given as a gift the most, or a couple books, or whatever oh, it might be? Uh, more recently, mm -hmm. uh, I've been a big fan. I just think uh, of 
this book, I don't know if you've heard of Grit by mm-hmm. Angela Duckworth. It's a uh, read it a couple years ago, I think, and it's, it goes to the core of, uh, I, I'm very interested in uh, thinking that goes oftentimes against the grain. Uh, and this, for all the recognizable and justified commentary about things like STEM, the science, technology, engineering, mm-hmm. math, and, and the quantitative sciences, and uh, this woman did a pretty, it reminded me of when it came out, uh, Good to Great. It was research-based, it was grounded, and tried to distill principles that said, and in this case, it, it, it identified the quality of people that was called grittiness, you know, will to succeed, um, those intangible traits, um, and, and brought some science to it. And, and I like it because I've always been a fan of the underdog, and oftentimes, and we hire a lot of underdogs at Brown Forum. What I mean by that is they're very capable people. Don't get me wrong, mm. uh, but they're not always. We're not getting the first recruits all the time in Louisville, Kentucky, from Harvard or Stanford or the London School of Economics. And I think we will run one of the sharpest companies going. And uh, these people come from all walks, and I think people at Brown Forum would have a lot of grit. And um, and so I've shared that book with a number of people and, and actually have considered incorporating it into one of our core values, uh, not that maybe that word so much as much as perseverance or some right. other word, uh, because I, li- I like that sense of, particularly when you work for a company that wants to endure for a very, very long time, you will encounter stuff in the world that seems daunting. And one of the great traits you can have is perseverance and grit. And so that, that particular book struck me, and I've been giving it a lot lately. Awesome. Great. Yeah, and I think that's I, – I, lo- I love that it's based in some science, too. I think that's nice because I think a lot of people write a book, and it's really a compelling book, but it's kind of just what they feel and think. The ideas and, yeah. are there. I mean, back – I don't know if you've read uh, Good to Great. I just mm-hmm. – I've read it three times, I think, and I would go back to it often, a little section on, you know, whether it's the – you know, the level five leader or some of these, but it was all grounded in data and I enjoyed it so much because it just wasn't hypothesis that, right. even though you might have agreed with the, the hypothesis, so mm-hmm. I, I, I go to those. I mean, I, another one I've encouraged people or given is uh, a book called Reclaiming the Fire, hmm. uh, which is an old book. It's probably, I bet it's, I don't know, maybe 25 or 30 years old, but it goes to the psychology around burnout. And in, mm-hmm. in a world we live in today where people are so stressed because the stimuli they receive, the intensity of life today. Um, and I, I found that there was an article that was written that referenced it, and, I, and the article was about, like, I think, why management managers become depressed and stuff yeah. like that. But it, the book is much deeper than that and goes to why we aim to achieve and uh, how we have performance anxiety and uh, all kinds of things that are very specific to uh, there's quite a bit in it that's specific to CEOs, but but it's very relevant across the board, and and again helps you think about your thinking. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. so in any event, those are some of the books. And again, I like TED Talks as well. Sure, they have some yeah. very inspirational things in there, and very uh, you know just 15 or 20 minute talks that are have an insight in them that is really can educate you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Um, we'll and we'll throw those books up on the. Uh, link when we send this email out so if people are interested in grabbing either of those or any of the ones that he talked about they can do that and you kind of touched on this a little bit but what do you do in those moments where you're feeling unfocused sort of overwhelmed you know you've got a lot on your plate for yeah. sure no doubt uh, how, what do you do in those moments how do you how do you come back what do you 
Um, when I'm that way, uh, it's usually because I've, in my morning hours, had too much coffee. So <laughs> stop drinking coffee. Okay. So yeah. Switch to decaf. Yeah. Um, no, I, write, I, I go back, I write it down. Mm. I mean, it's, it's the method of, uh, and, and try to simplify it. Mm. And um, it, it's just so important. And I, I will say that growing up and by, you know, playing sports, going to school, all that, I learned to juggle a lot. And so the, the, that came to me pretty early in my life, somewhere along the line, the ability to multitask and to process. It does help to be able to discover in yourself how you like to get your own attention. Hmm. And for me, writing it, sometimes creatively, uh, helps me to get my own attention. Hmm. And the, the other thing is to know what to forget about. Um, there, I mean, one thing I learned early in this job that there are countless things to worry about. Prioritizing the right things to worry about is critical. Hmm. And so, because if I worry about everything, guess what? The whole company worries about everything and you'll have chaos. And so my, my advice to people all the time is worry about the right things and when you worry, worry really good. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, I like that, I like that a lot. Um, the next question I like to ask, and I ask it kind of in a peculiar way, but I, um, it's, I wanna leave it open and to be yeah. interpreted however you want it to be, but what would you describe as your favorite failure? My favorite failure? Well, I probably have about five or six of those today. <laughs> See, I, I, let me give you an, an okay. idea around this. I yeah. think um, I, I love the, uh, the the term perfectly imperfect because it – I forgot where I saw it or heard it, but I, I like it. I mean, this exercise of, of life we're in is a regular renewal of imperfection. And I probably have um, – lots of perfectionist tendencies somewhere you know in my upbringing or however I, I developed those habits and I've had to get used to um, a world that is imperfect and and I think a few things happen in your life that acclimate you to that uh, the first I mean it's unusual people think about that is the process of getting married mm-hmm. uh, or having a family where the whole world isn't about you I mean it's that immediately that recognition that there are other people as or more important than you in your life and that you have to then be tolerant of different ways of living life you know and so so that begins it but then accepting responsibility for large groups of people overseeing a large business that in and of it's someone somewhere in our organization when you're responsible for 4500 people is doing something silly you know maybe not making the right decision and you're accountable for all of it uh, some consumer out there uh, in our business, we're in the beverage alcohol business, is irresponsibly using our product. I mean, if I was a perfectionist, I, it'd be very difficult to. Now, what do you do with all that? What, how do you deal with that? And I think it, some of it goes back to that philosophy about the leadership impact, which is to accept you won't do it all well all the time. Mm. Uh, continue to grow, recognize you'll make mistakes as you go along, learn from those mistakes. Mm. And uh, and then most often try to make fewer of them, mm. you know, just because you've learned and you incorporate the wisdom that comes with the process of moving through life. I mm. think is the way that I might say it. Um, but the, the the areas where I knock myself the most um, are because it's so hard to communicate perfectly. 
So I'm hardest on myself when I don't think through something, mm. when I'm rash with my thinking or mm. uh, when I bring probably bias to a topic mm. uh, or to a situation that, that is not accepting or is not open-minded enough. You know, I've already made my mind up. Uh, I've been down this path before. I've seen this, you know, I, kind of, and I get disappointed in myself yeah. when, I, when I don't come with an open mind. And the, the work we've done here that has helped me with that more than anything has been our work on diversity and inclusion, mm-hmm. where uh, respect and tolerance and having to listen and understand that people come from different places in the world and therefore they'll bring different viewpoints to different topics is probably it's been one of the great 10% growth uh, contributors to me of almost any work I've done here. Sure. Yeah. Awesome. It's been awesome. 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 Now, and I don't want to put you on the spot. Do you have any stories maybe from maybe the beginning of your tenure in leadership that you you just didn't get it right like you can think of oh, a yeah. specific example oh yeah well i mean some of the, well for it's hard because some of it you end up disclosing information you probably shouldn't but I, it, the, the thematically i'm a very tolerant i've learned i've become very tolerant i'm a believer in people generally mm. and when people have not either fit our company well or a job has uh, become too big for somebody to handle, they haven't continued to grow, or et cetera. Mm. I've probably been too tolerant. Mm. Um, I don't know if that's a care gene or if it's a, uh, a procrastination trait or something, but uh, I would say, you know, when I think of my blind spots uh, over the years, I think I've gotten better at it, but but I still, um, and, I, I, and I, I have this line that uh, I, rather be sometimes naive than choosing not to believe yeah. and I, I, I really do I think is an approach to life believing more in people than not but th- there are times where that has burned me yeah and so uh, meaning I maybe should have made a personnel change sooner versus later mm-hmm. those are always the ones that I would go back to okay. where I've, I, I think they would be failures that you learn from but still to this day I don't know that I'll ever overcome because I, I just I, I have a philosophical bend that uh, start with the fundamental belief that people are capable of more and can grow and will will do so and then let them prove you wrong sure well there are worse things i think than believing in people <laughs> there are a lot of cynics are really insecure people yeah, who, yeah. yeah who end up but I, I i think you have to trust that people can bring it and then but i still think it's the onus and responsibility for having the right people in the right places is on the leadership and right. so i have made a handful of errors there yeah okay Great. I, and I, again, I, I, I don't mean anything by that. No, I just think no. it's, it's hey, helpful look. because everybody makes mistakes. And I think it's sometimes instructional and helpful to know that even folks who are in a position like yours, you know, have. <laughs> well, but, well, actually, more often than not, they're so visible because if I'd made it right. really big mistakes, you wouldn't probably <laughs> be talking to me here today. <laughs> fair, fair. We talked about this a little bit, but... Um, so just like everybody else, you have a finite amount of time. So yeah. how do you find that you prioritize? So you touched on that concept before of kind of choosing what things to worry about. Yeah. But, but how do you find that you, you know, what's the mechanics of that? How do you prioritize? I've always been um, a reasonably decent uh, big picture thinker. I mean, I like connecting dots. I like to think comprehensively. I just enjoy that. And, uh, and that helps because if you think about it, that can help you say what really is important. And uh, I literally was just doing it in a meeting earlier today. Mm-hmm. And it, it's something I, you know, particularly at this stage of, you know, 
my tenure as a CEO. It's one of the ways, just bringing a perspective as everybody else is down trying to solve the problem and trying to figure it out. Sometimes just in a meeting saying, well, what are the most three most important criteria for evaluating the alternatives available to you? And just, just asking a question like that, just, and I'm going to ask you to prioritize. What are the three, or maybe there's just one. If there's just one, then just really stay focused on that. But that process of developing objectives and criteria and having to think through it, giving yourself a structure or a framework against which people can then evaluate, you know, whether it's a problem or solution, et cetera, I always find this helpful. So, um, and I, I, I was told by some people that, um, who've worked with me over the years that some of it comes from a funny place which is that they've worked when a person who'd worked with our team said they've worked with tennis players before which mm. I did my whole you know uh, teenage life and in, in through school and uh, it was really funny about it they said t- tennis players have to make you know literally thousands of decisions at you know in, in a split second and so your brain was trained they were telling me to make quick decisions and prioritize what was important and move on mm. and at times back when they, I was having this conversation I was I was always frustrated with how long it took people to make decisions <laughs> <laughs> and they were saying you're gonna have to be more patient because not everybody else made all those decisions right. they can, you're gonna have to slow your brain down and but I do think that one of the positive things is it did help me to prioritize and and act and move on sometimes limited information, mm-hmm. and uh, and so all these things funny how these things in life that had you thought had nothing to do with business or you know making whiskey or some of these other things that we do now uh, how you know hitting a little yellow ball over a net you know help develop uh, some of your personality you know mm-hmm. predispositions or disorders <laughs> but but the reality is it, mm-hmm. it imparted something that is what I am today yeah. I've heard it described as kind of looking backwards and seeing how all the points line up but you know in the middle of the process you can't really see that so I think that's solving problems instinctively when you're like I don't know how we solved that but I would I don't know that I was trained to and he was like yeah you probably were you just didn't know you were trained to do it right right awesome okay so now um if you can again sort of reflect back on when you started out in a leadership role so you're talking to that version of Paul and what are you wanting him to know what are you wanting that 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 leader starting out to know what's the that critical piece of information that he should have um that I think now an older, more mature person can say, um, know why you want to achieve, mm-hmm. not just that you want to achieve. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of that comes from self-reflection. I think uh, where I've made you know mistakes along the way, I wish I'd have, I wish I'd have thought more about it. That you know, I think this is true of a lot of people at that stage in their life. You know, hey, I want to go out and get a good job and then you know, use my talents to the fullest and take them to where I can. And frankly, I never had an ambition to be the CEO of this company or any other company. Um, but I certainly had a, a, this achievement ambition. Just no matter what I did, I wanted to do it really, really well. I mean, still in this philosophy of continuing to grow, I mean, still somewhere underpinning that is you know, constant progress. And trying to understand where that comes from and why that is so important and I think early on I was just doing it because I wanted to, the next job or I wanted to make more money or I wanted to 
uh, be seen better or have a better reputation. I mean, whatever the you know the the allure of it was at the time. And now thinking about you know what is it that and it's really more the experience of and the pure enjoyment of oftentimes working with other people to do very fulfilling things. I mean, very fulfilling things and uh, have, having wonderful impact and a uh, huge fan of film. And so it's, I always try to think about that, you know, it's a wonderful life, you know, concept. You know, what would have happened had you not gone and worked on that? Or what would have happened had you not intervened and done this? Or what might have happened had you not never even been in that division or worked at this company? All those, and everybody has that version in their lives. So uh, I think thinking through the why and not so much the what mm. is what an older person mm. does. Mm. I like that a lot. You know, I, I think folks who have that instinct are often the ones that get put in leadership roles, but without that compass or what, without asking those questions, and often I think that's a problem. Well, you know, I, well sometimes they're not effective, but the, one, of the, one of the other things that comes is oftentimes they're brutally unhappy. Mm. Uh, achievement does not necessarily, oftentimes achievement is has a you know, inverse correlation with happiness. And so thinking through, you know, what it is that you want and, um, and, and why, why you want, what, what is so important? And I mean, it's, it's easy to say on a, you know, podcast like this, you know, hey, go think about yourself and think mm-hmm. about your motivations and where they come from. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a lot easier to say that than it is to actually do. Mm-hmm. And um, I suspect I'll be trying to do that all the way to my end. So. <laughs> That's great. That's so good. Um, and then the last question that I always like to ask is just, um, you know, and I think if possible, if this can be something kind of pithy, kind of yeah. short, something that people can hang on to, what is, what is one thing that a leader should never forget? To care. Mm. Just to mm. care. Mm. I do think uh, people know when you do and they know when you don't. And I think ultimately uh, leaders need to care. And, and, and what I mean, that's not just care about themselves. I mean, it's just truly to care about the cause, the operation. People can feel how important it is. Uh, and I think that'll, I mean, I won't take you the whole way, but boy, it'll take you through the, some of the toughest times. Well, Paul, thank you so much for your time. I so appreciate it. Um, you've shared with us just great, great amounts of wisdom. Um, so thanks again. Thank you very much. And this counts toward my continuing education. <laughs> because <laughs> it, it, Just going through the process and having to think through it is, help, is helpful for me too. So it's well, been great. my pleasure. Thank great. You. Thanks so thanks. much. Thanks again to our special guest. This has been Learning from Leaders.